did God create the heavens and earth? Um, or was it evolution? How, how did we really come to be? Where did we come from? Like, where did the universe come from? It brought me to a point where I had to dig deeper past the surface of God created the heavens and earth. I think sometimes I struggle believing that God's grace covers everyone and every situation and every single sin. There's just not an answer for everything. I believe in the healing God, but my situation speaks contrary to that. The pain was overwhelming. I didn't really know if he was there. Why won't he heal me? Why won't he hear me? There are just so many things in the world that unexplained you would wonder how a loving, forgiving God would even allow to happen. I don't understand how someone can just give up and give in and, again, blindly trust and uh, blindly have faith in something. One thing I really struggled with and wrestled in the Bible was the fact that the devil exists. If God is good, why did he let my cousin die? You know, why did he let my parents uh, split apart? Amen. What's up, Rock Church? Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Welcome to the church. My name is Miles and Pastor the Rock. I want to say hello to everybody watching in all our campuses, City Heights, North County, East County, Santa Cedro. Let's give all those people a big, big hand out there. God bless y'all. Coronado. Um, every, before every service, we run a bumper to kind of introduce the uh, service. And usually when it's over, people give a, a you know, hey. And uh, this series is a little heavy. After this, everyone's like, yeah, man, those are some good questions. What's up with that? Uh, what's up with that? Uh, we are in week three of our series called I Doubt It. Everyone say, I doubt it. And we are... Uh, discussing the reasons people doubt God and doubt the Bible, like some of those questions that were asked. Uh, this is week three. We're going to be talking about the Bible itself and talk about why you should believe and trust the Bible as God's word. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, the multitude of religions that are out there. How can Christianity claim to be the only way? Uh, we'll talk about pain. All of us deal with pain and doubt God at times of pain. We'll also talk about science. I can't wait to that one and how... Uh, Science does not disprove the Bible. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, in a few weeks as well. So let's get on our knees and pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for everyone in all our campuses, microsites, watching online, all the people around the world watching online, uh, we thank you that your spirit is with them. We pray you communicate and affirm your word in their heart as we speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Get up and give someone next to you a high five, a hug, or something like that. Amen, amen. If you have a Bible, uh, get it out on the count of three. We're going to lift it up and say word. One. One, two, three. Say word. Very good. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, chapter, yes, chapter 3. Seven, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
New Testament. When I was growing up, we used to say to each other, word, whenever someone said something that was true. If you remember that, say amen. Amen. If you do not remember that, say amen. 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 (laughs) So if we saw a girl that was cute, we said, that girl's fine. Word. (laughs) Or it's cold outside. Back when I grew up in New York, when it was real cold, we used to say the hawk was out. The hawk is, this is the hawk. That's the hawk. When the hawk is out, it doesn't matter what you have on, you are going to be cold. So it was code for just get ready. Okay, so we say the hawk is out, word up. Or you could say word up. That was even like word double times word. <laughs> I can't wait till summer comes and school ends, word. So it was basically another way of saying that is true. Can I get amen? And when we hold this Bible up and say word, we are saying not only this is the word of God, but we believe it to be true. But I would bet you some of y'all don't believe this to be true, 100% true. Not stories, fables, mythological stories, but fact, the Word of God. So we're in this series called I Doubt It, and people doubt God for many reasons, because of science. They think science disproved God. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Pain, if God was so loving and powerful, why is there evil in the world? It's a very good question and has a very good answer. Why are there so many religions? How could there be something? There was a movie coming out of a program with Morgan Freeman about God and how all the roads lead to God. Well, is that really true? Why, how can the Bible say that Jesus is the only way? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. You need to know the answer to that. But it all hinges on this book. That if this book isn't the word of God, we are wasting our time. Because it says it's the word of God. And Jesus says he's the only way. So if it's not, he's a liar and this is a complete waste of time. It has to be 100% the word of God and 100% reliable, 100% of the time, 100% relative to your life, or 100% false. That's the claim. That's the challenge. Now, I don't expect to convince you. Matter of fact, I don't expect to convince you at all. The Holy Spirit is going to convince you in your heart uh, in one message. We're going to do a whole series on this in the month of July. For four weeks straight, we'll get more into it because there's libraries of information about the validity of the Bible. Because ever since the beginning of time, the first thing the devil ever said to Adam and Eve was, what did God say? He wants to bring doubt into this book. So my challenge to you today and, and my proposal to you today is that we're going to talk about The validity of this book as the word of God for our life. Amen? Amen. Let's do a little review. Last week we talked about doubt. The definition of doubt, it's in your lesson plan, it should be on the screen, is to separate, to distinguish, to judge, or evaluate. A process of evaluating and judging competing ideas. We talked about the fact that we all have sometimes doubt God, doubt his faithfulness, his presence, his love for us. Will he keep his promise? And last week, we gave the framework for this I Doubt It series, which are three very important points. Number one, the story, the Father's story gives context to our doubt. Every single one of us is in a story. This is the the most important thing to understand about this whole series, and I will apply it to every single message that you are in a story. I went and saw a Jungle Book yesterday. And, and I remember Jungle Book as a kid, but I didn't remember seeing it as a video or a movie. I, I couldn't remember how I knew it. 
And I remember when I was watching it, you know, Baloop came to bear, and I knew he, he's going to sing a song. But I was like, how do I know that? I could, uh, you know, that's, I think brain cells have just died. <laughs> so I'm sitting in a movie with my daughter and her boyfriend. And I'm sitting there going, okay, and his son, and I'm sitting there going, what's this about? I mean, what's the, what's the storyline? I, I, I couldn't remember. And I said, and she says, I don't know. I said, here's what I know about the story. There's going to be somebody who's good, somebody who's bad. They're going to have a conflict, and, 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 they're gonna, and they're gonna, there's going to be a, a conflict between the two, and then it's going to be resolved. That's every story. I just know that's going to happen. That's your story. You right now are in a story. The Bible is the book of God's story. You are in your story. You, had a, you were born. You are going to die. And in the middle, you are living out the story of God between good and evil. God is trying to woo you with his love and forgiveness towards him to be like him, to fulfill what he's created you to fulfill, to have dominion over evil in your life, to have a relationship with him. That's your story. You are walking in that story. At the same time, evil is wooing you away, attacking you, putting doubts in your head. That's your story. You do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's, we talked about that last week. Every single one of you are in story. That story gives context to your doubt. When you doubt God because of science, it's maybe because you don't understand the science. When you doubt God because of religions, maybe you don't understand the religions. You're in a story. You're learning. You're growing. You're walking with God. You're trying to walk with God anyway. The son, number two, the son engages our doubt. Jesus Christ, the son of God, came and lived in this world, in this body, with temptation. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, yet he never sinned. He was the model we look to. That's what God created us to live like. And then the Spirit of God comforts us in our doubt. As you're struggling, does God love me? Is he here? The Spirit of God goes, come here, homie. God loves you. He's never left you, forsake you, never been late, always been on time, always got you through. Isn't that true? He whispers comfort in your ear and you go, yeah, huh? And so as you doubt about all these things, that's the framework. You're in the story. Christ, Christ engaged your doubt. He showed us how to deal with rejection, betrayal, death. False accusation. And then the Spirit of God comes and says in your heart, I'm here. Okay, so that's the framework. We're going to use that framework every week, and it's something very important for you to understand. So how does that apply to the Bible? This book right here, this has to be God's word or it is not. There's no in between. It's either God's word or throw it in the garbage. God's word or throw it in the garbage. It's not an option. Okay, now let's admit that there is doubt, a whole lot of doubt in the Bible. We have some uh, a slide we're going to put on the screen. We're going to look at how Christian millennials view the Bible and how non-Christians. This is millennials first. Our top left, it says it is their top source of moral truth. Christian millennials, 39% believe the Bible is their top source. 16% believe the church is their top. By the way, 16%. That means 84% of millennials do not believe the church is where they get moral values. Okay? Christians, by the way, Christians. 14% believe parents. That means 86% do not believe parents are their top source of moral conviction. Amen? Uh, they are more likely to believe in God. It is God's word. 96%, right in the middle of the screen, 96% believe the Bible contains everything a person needs to know to live a meaningful life. I will challenge that if you believe it, then you will read it. It's one thing to say you believe it. It's another thing to say to actually apply it to your life. That was Christians. There's doubt with Christians. Now let's look at non-Christians. Okay, non-Christian millennials hold an ambivalent and sometimes negative view towards the Bible. Top five words right in the middle. 50% believe it's just a story. 
like a fake story. 38% believe it's mythology, which is not true. Bottom left, they believe 36% believe it's symbolic. 30% believe it's a fairy tale. And 30% believe it's just history. Now, the key one is the, top, the bottom right-hand corner. The proportion of non-Christian millennials who have never read the Bible, 62%. Isn't it amazing how many people will, who will comment on the Bible but never read it? <laughs> By the way, by a show of hands and be honest, how many of you have never read the whole Bible, 1,189 chapters, 66 books? Raise your hand. Look at, hold your hand up high. All y'all in church, I never read the Bible. How are you going to live it? You can't. If you think you're going to live it based on what you hear in 30-minute sermon every week, that's just not going to work. It is not, this is not intended to be that for you. You have to read the Bible. 62% of, the, of non-Christians have never read the, uh, the Bible. More than 62% of you never read the whole Bible. I know some of you read some of it. You've got to read the Bible. And if you believe that it's God's word, the only way you really prove that you believe it is by reading it. And then you have been in a relationship if someone says, I love you, the only way you really know it is not because they told you. It's because of what they do. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, let's, let's look at number one of your notes. Number one of your notes. Number one of your notes. The father's story, go back to the story. The father's story gives context to our doubt. And the Bible is the book that reveals the story. The Bible is the book that reveals the story. You are in a story. And the Bible is the book that reveals the story. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is given, is God breathed. All scriptures, God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everybody say all scripture. Hey, get, check this out. The breath of God. Hundreds of times the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. What does that mean? God spoke through people. Now, the Ten Commandments, God wrote himself. The finger of God wrote on the stone. Well, do you really believe that? He created the heavens and earth. The brother can write on a stone. <laughs> if two people were on a corner and there was a car accident and the police came and said, tell me what happened in the accident, one person would say, oh, it was the black car hit the yellow car. The other person would probably say, oh, it was a dark blue car hit the white car. When you, when you get people, eyewitnesses of an accident, a crime, they will inevitably tell you conflicting stories. That's just fact. Even if you talk to people about what someone said in a conversation about you, or what they say? Well, they said you had a big head, your breath stank, and you, you had earwax all the time. They didn't say that. They said you had funky hair and a weave. and all. I mean, You would get conflicting conv accounts because people cannot get it right. The Bible is, has 40 authors. They wrote over a 1,600-year period. Obviously, they didn't know each other. They lived on three different continents. They wrote about hundreds of topics. 
They wrote in different literary styles. Some was narrative stories. Some was poetry. Some were songs. Some was science fiction or apocalyptic language, visions and dreams and images. Some was legal information. If you went to a publisher and said, I want to publish a book, and they said, what kind of book? Is it nonfiction or fiction? You say, well, it's fiction, okay, and nonfiction, okay, and poetry, okay, and music, and science fiction. They're like, wait, 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 pick one. You would never get a book published with all those different literary styles. The Bible has all those literary styles by 40 different authors over 1,600 years. They lived on 16, uh, three different continents. They wrote about dozens and dozens and dozens of topics. Love, forgiveness, sin, heaven, hell, angels, demons, Jesus, salvation, uh, the Jewish culture, Christianity in the first century, church growth, all kinds of things. Egypt, all kinds of pagan uh, cultures and religions and cults. All this is in the Bible. How did all these 40 people write about all these dozens of things over 1,600 years on three different continents, and yet it all tells one continuous story of the salvation of man? Let me tell you how. The breath of God. Because the Holy Spirit spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke because the one common thread through the whole story is the Holy Spirit. That's the story of God. That is this Book, amazing book. There's a little little chart in your in your in your lesson plan. It's going to go up on the screen. This chart is going to show you and compare the manuscript evidence. Manu is hand, script is writing, writings or uh, uh, this was not printed. These were written copies of original text in history, and compare them to the Bible. This is in your notes, by the way, you can take this home. Uh, top left is the author Plato, and then Aristotle, then Homer, then the New Testament. Look at Plato. Plato writ, wrote between 427 to 347 B.C. Right below that, the earliest copy of Plato we have is 900 A.D. The time span between his original first copy and the copies we have now is 1,200 years. Now let me pause there for a minute. Okay, I want to explain this to you. That's like you getting a letter from somebody and someone say, asking you, when was this letter written? And you say, this letter was written by Pastor Miles. Okay, now is this the original letter? No, this is a copy of the original letter. Okay, so this is not the original letter. No, it's a copy of the original letter. Well, when was the original letter written? 1,200 years ago. What happened in between? Copies of copies of copies of copies of copies. The gap between Plato's last, his original, and the earliest copy is 1,200 years. Plato is the, the founder of our philosophical system. He is famous for his writings of philosophy. 1,200 years. And by the way, if you put the, put the thing back up, at the bottom left, there's only seven copies. So we have seven copies and the earliest, the closest to the original is 1,200 years. You have to ask yourself, how reliable is that? But yet our school system will claim it as fact. Can I get an amen? No one's in school going, well, I don't know about this. I don't know. His philosophy, what the philosophy we learn from him is factual. Aristotle, he wrote between 384 and 322 B.C. Earliest copies, 1100 A.D., 1,400-year gap. We have 49 copies. Homer, he wrote Iliad and Odyssey, 900 B.C. Earliest copies, 400 B.C., 500-year gap between 
his original and the earliest manuscript, earliest copy we have, and it's 643 copies. The New Testament, by the way, New Testament was written between 50 and 100 A.D., earliest copies 130 A.D., the gap of 30 to 80 years. 24,000 copies. Why is this important? If you're going to believe Homer and teach it in the school as fact, if you're going to believe Plato and teach it in school as fact, if you're going to believe Aristotle and we go on and on and you pick any ancient manuscript before the printing press, nothing compares to the evidence of the New Testament and the Old Testament for that matter. Let's give the Lord a hand on that. Amen. This book has evidence that it is what it is, manuscript physical evidence. It has living evidence, number two in your notes. The Son of God engages our doubt as the living version of the book. Oh, snap. What does this mean? Turn to John 1, 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. God said, I'm going to breathe on my prophets. Prophets is the mouthpiece of God. Thus saith the Lord. God speaks to me. I speak God's word. I'm a prophet. It's not necessarily proclaiming the future event. I'm just proclaiming something God said. If you speak prophetically into someone's life, you could do it by just saying God loves you and has a plan for your life and he believes in you and wants you to know X. Then God said, I'm going to send my son. Because I know some of you are not going to believe my prophet, so I'm going to send my son. Look what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. Everyone say word. word. And the word was God. Say word. word. Say was God. I'm sorry, was with God. Say was with God. And the word was God. Say was God. Uh, 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 uh. The word, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Who was the word? God. Who was the word? Say it three times. Very good. The word was God. He was God. Then it says he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him. Without him nothing was made that was made. Now let's go to chapter 1, same chapter, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Whoa, the word, the Bible actually became flesh in Jesus. Jesus was the word of God in living flesh. Jesus' words, his love, his attitude, his reaction to his enemies, his reaction to his friends, his kingdom of God power was all the word of God in a living man. He engaged our our journey, our story. He says, I am going to walk on this earth and I am going to display the living God. I'm going to display the word of God, the character of God in flesh, showing you the story that you need to be living like me, the life you need to be living. The Bible says he was tempted in every way and he never sinned. Why? He was true to the word of God. The word became flesh. God says, I'm not only going to give you a book, I'm going to give you a person to show you how to live the book. I'm going to say it again. I'm not only going to give you a book, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to send you a person who's going to show you how to live the book, what it looks like to live this book, my son. He's never going to deny this, the character of this book. He's never going to uh, contradict the spirit of this book. He's going to display the purpose of this book. He's going to show you the journey this book is leading you on. 
He's going to display the power that I intended you to have, that I describe in this book. You're going to see it in his life. Kingdom of God power. When you're reading this book that I want you to perform miracles, just watch him and he'll do it. And so you know what this means. When I tell you to love your enemy, this, and I write about it in this book, you watch him and he'll, tell you, he'll show you what it means. He's the living version of the book. Look at, look at um, in your notes on Matthew 4, 5.17. Turn to Matthew 5.17. Matthew 5.17. This is Jesus talking about the book. The law, whenever you see the law or the law and prophets that talk about the whole Old Testament, which Jesus referred to many, many times, he says in, in, in Matthew 5.17, do not think I came to destroy, nullify, contradict the law and the prophets or the whole Old Testament. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill everything. He tells, he tells also the, the religious, don't you know that Moses and the prophets spoke about me? All that in the Old Testament, I came to validate it, affirm it, rely on it, point to it. Why? Because it's the very words of God. Now, if that's not true, Jesus is a liar, therefore he's a fraud, therefore we should not believe him. And we should not believe this book, and we are wasting our time. A lot lies on the fact that whether this book is true or not. Because if Jesus is God, the Son of God, and he never sinned, what he's saying here is trust the Bible. Every, not one jot or tittle, not one vowel point, not one letter, not one verse is not going to be fulfilled. I came to make sure it is fulfilled. So not only did God write it by breathing on his prophets, not only does that is evidenced by the manuscript evidence that God preserved more than any other ancient book. And by the way, the Bible has sold more than any book ever, five billion. More than all the religious books combined. Why is that? God said, oh, the, the third point, the spirit of God. Oh, number three in your notes. Look at this, number three. The spirit of God comforts our doubt by speaking the word to our individual lives. The Spirit of God comforts our doubt by speaking the Word of God to our individual lives. The Father says, I'm, I'm going to breathe my plan. I'm going to breathe the story that I want you to live. I'm going to breathe the story of the, of the salvation of man into my prophets. They're going to write it down. They're going to record it. I'm going to send my son who's going to live it right in your face. You're going to see him. You're going to touch him. He's going to live 33 years. He's going to die on the cross. But then I'm going to affirm everything to every single one of you with my spirit. I'm not going to leave you to yourself. How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever been in church, listened to a sermon on the radio, on a tape, watching on TV, and while the preacher is preaching, and by the way, the preacher does not know you, does not know your drama, does not know your secret junk, and you're sitting there watching it, and, and you know, I don't know what, you know, some people listen like this. I, I watch people. Like there's like 20 people right now. Every service I have about 20 points throughout the room that I go back to to look around. And I see people like this. They're like this. They're like this. I'm not trying to judge people. I'm like, yeah, that, that person needs God. That, that person over there. <laughs> and and I don't, I, of course, I, I don't know who's who. Some people listen very actively. They're like, you know, on it. And then other people listen inactively, but it doesn't mean they're not listening. But their body language says, I don't care. 
So I'm praying. Yeah, I got to pray for that person. I pray for that person. I got to really pray for that person. <laughs> You're sitting in church. Whatever your body language is, by the way, it don't matter. It's whatever it is, what it is. However, you're sitting there. You don't know me. I don't know your business. We don't have a relationship or the preacher you're watching on TV or the radio, and you're listening, and you feel like the preacher is talking to you. Raise your hand if that's true. Raise your hand real Oh, oh keep your hand up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me ask the question again. Hold up, put your hand <laughs> Listen very carefully. I'm going to say it again. You're listening to a sermon. The preacher, whoever it is, does not know your business at all. But you are 100% sure that he's talking to you about your life. Something is talking to you. You understand the question? Okay, raise your hand. Okay, keep your hand up. Look around the room. How is that true? No, no, think about this. I don't know you. How is that true? How is it true you can watch a TV and a guy you never met doesn't even know you exist and you're watching a sermon from 10 years ago? From 10 years ago, and you're like, he's talking to me, and you're like, you're like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, preach. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this book is not real. Jesus is not real, but the Holy Ghost is telling you, boy, you busted. <laughs> Why? Because the book, the book is more than a book, it's alive. Look at look at Hebrews chapter 4. It's alive. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let me just read it to you because I, I don't want to waste time for you to turn to it. It says, the word of God is living and active. Everyone say living and active. That means it's in your business. Some of y'all walk in this room and you walk in and you, <laughs> you start crying. Why? Because the Spirit of God says, hello, we're going to do business today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all, some of y'all be driving to church. I don't even know why I'm going to church. I don't like that church. I don't like big church. And they, they just have those lights. And the guy yells all the time. He spits on the front row people. And, and he's just walking in. And you get out of your car. And these people, they're just all happy. They ain't really happy. And, and then soon you get in here. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's talking to me. How do you know my business? I don't know your business. <laughs> I don't want to know your business. It says the word of God is living and active, sharpened in a two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of the soul and spirit, which means it's up all in your business. Joints and mouth. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nothing. I say nothing. <laughs> about, is about 15% of y'all know nothing. Y'all know that show. Hogan's Heroes, you remember that? That was the best show in the world. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing. Three o'clock in the morning, you're in front of your computer. God is right there. Driving down the street, talking to your little hoochie. There's male and females, hoochies. God is right there. You're lying through your teeth. God is right there. Nothing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom you must give account. The Spirit of God. You can put your Bible in your drawer all you want. The Spirit of God you can't put in the drawer. John 14, 26. Let me just read it. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. This is Jesus talking. Whom the Father will send. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said. Some of you have verses come to your mind that you may have read one time. You didn't even memorize. It just comes to your head. Holy Spirit, psst, 
Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Don't gossip. You have, you, you start to gossip, you just feel this warm feeling in here. You feel tingling of guilt. Cortisol, which is a hormone of stress hormone that God secretes in your brain when you are guilty. You feel it. God going, stop it. It's the spirit of God. This thing is alive. It's scary. I want you to bow your heads right now on all the campuses. I want you to listen very carefully. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to people right now and affirm in their heart that you are talking to them. Affirm in their heart you know them and that the word of God is true. It's fact. It's alive. It's supernatural. It's eternal. It's way beyond the authors who penned it. It existed before the foundations of the earth. The word of God became alive. It became a man, Jesus. The word became flesh, walked among us. The word of God was betrayed, crucified, paid the penalty for our sin, rose from the dead. And then Jesus ascended and sent the spirit of God to affirm what the word of God lived and said. And the Spirit of God is speaking to some of you right now. He's telling you God loves you. He's telling you you're a sinner. He's telling you that Jesus died and rose from the dead for your sin. And you need to make a decision. Is the Bible true or not? Is the Bible God's word or not? And for some of you, you are going to decide today, yes, I believe it's God's word. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe it says that Jesus died for me. I believe it says... He rose, and I believe it says if I confess, he is faithful to forgive me and fill me with the spirit of God that will continue to guide and direct me in my story. If you're ready to submit to the word of God, the promise of God, pray this prayer with me. If you're ready to receive forgiveness, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God. I believe what the Bible says, that I'm a sinner. I believe what the Bible says, that Jesus died for my sin. I believe what the Bible says, that Jesus rose and is offering me forgiveness. Because I believe what the Bible says, I ask Jesus, please forgive me. Please come live in my heart and be my Savior. I surrender my life to you, trusting what the Bible says, that you will forgive me and fill me with the Spirit of God and walk with me every day. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand on all the campuses. If you believe the Bible to be the Word of God and you believe His promises to be true, and you believe he forgave you of your sin, I want you to, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to count to three. But if you believe those things to be true, here's, else, here's what else Jesus said. If you're ashamed of him before people, he'll be ashamed of you before his father. So if you believe what the Bible says, 
That means you must say, I am going to live for Jesus and publicly, and it's going to start right now. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I want you to get your legs ready, scoot your hips back in your seat, and prepare yourself to rise. Because you believe that if you honor God, he will honor you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer to ask Christ to be your Savior because you believe what the Bible says, that it is true, that he loves you and will forgive you and never, will never remember your sin anymore. On the count of three, I want you to stand up. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. 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 We see you in the balcony. Stay standing. Stay standing. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Stay standing. Stay standing. Here's what we're going to do. In a minute, we're going to ask all y'all who believe the Bible says, God's going to honor you. In a minute, we're going to ask you to come down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you got to do is turn around and walk up and ushers will bring you down. The rest of us, this is because we believe what the Bible says, that angels rejoice in heaven, we're going to rejoice with them. So come out of your seat. Come on down to the altar. Let's give him a hand. Let's give him a hand. Stay right there. God bless you. You're in the Navy, sir? Are you in the Navy? Thank you for serving us. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come forward. Everyone come forward. Here we go. Here we go. Come forward. How you doing, sir? How you doing? Amen. 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 You guys can just stand right there. Come forward. Here we go. Here we go. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How are you? How are you? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, stay right here. Here we go. Come forward. Here we go. Here we go. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You're welcome. God bless you. Welcome. God bless you. My pleasure. God bless you. 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 Hey, mom. How you doing, little man? God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's move down this way just a little bit. Right here. There we go. Right here. Okay. God, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's give you a big hand. Come on now. God bless you. 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 Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It is a very big deal to say either this is all true or not true. And uh, we're going to talk in July about what it means to understand it literally. (laughs) It's very simple. But either it's all true, and it is, or it's all false. Because when God said, I wrote a book, he he didn't have to do it a second time and a third time to get it right. He got it right the first time. When he made you, he got you right the first time. So writing a book is very simple. And if you trust it and you believe it to the best of your knowledge, he will bless you. And he will continue to guide you through your story to be what you, he created you to be. That's how it works. It's really simple. But the cool thing about the book is that you have the Holy Spirit with you to say, to help guide you on a daily basis. Because you're going to have questions. Can I smoke a cigarette? That's not in the Bible. Can I blow up a building? That's not in the Bible. All these questions like that, the Holy Spirit says, well, let me explain to you. This is the temple of God. Take care of it. It's very simple. And so the Holy Spirit, that's what prayer is all about. God, tell me how to apply this today. That's when Jesus said, you heard it said, uh, if you hate your neighbor or, or love your neighbor and your enemy, 
I say if you say raka and call someone a fool, you're guilty of murder. Jesus said, let me tell you what it really means. Don't be technical. Let me tell you the spirit of it. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. And so we're going to pray for y'all. And then we're going to lead you into that room. And by the way, what I just said, when you gossip and you slander people, God said you're committing murder. When you look at someone on TV that murders somebody, serial killers, all those people, and you say, look how evil they are. God said, well, it's no different from you. You do it every day. You're a serial killer by what you say. That's the spirit. Religion says, well, I never pulled the trigger. God says, no, but I know what's in your heart. That's all I care about. Because what's in your heart comes way before you pull the trigger. God wants us to be pure on the inside. So you can come hide in the big church. God, you ain't hiding from God. The spirit of God is all up in your business. Lord, I pray for these people. I pray you challenge them. I pray you encourage them. I pray they trust the word of God as fact. And if we rely on it as fact, we must read it. We must live it. We must memorize it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's what we're going to do now. Uh, if you're new, it's not the time to walk out. We're going to pray, cheer these people into that room to the right. So right now, y'all are going to take a right and walk this way. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. Amen. Amen.